My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 119, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, 2 Samuel 21 through 24, Psalm 30 and 38. 2 Samuel 21. During the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years. So David sought the face of the Lord. The Lord said, It is on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. It is because he put the Gibeonites to death. The king summoned the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not a part of Israel, but were survivors of the Amorites. The Israelites had sworn to spare them, but Saul in his zeal for Israel and Judah had tried to annihilate them. David asked the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you? How shall I make atonement so that you will bless the Lord's inheritance? The Gibeonites answered him, We have no right to demand silver or gold from Saul or his family, nor do we have the right to put anyone in Israel to death. What do you want me to do for you? David asked. They answered the king, As for the man who destroyed us and plotted against us so that we have been decimated and have no place anywhere in Israel, let seven of his male descendants be given to us to be killed and their bodies exposed before the Lord at Gibah of Saul, the Lord's chosen one. So the king said, I will give them to you. The king spared Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the oath before the Lord between David and Jonathan, son of Saul. But the king took Armani and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Ai's daughter, Rizpah, whom she had borne to Saul, together with the five sons of Saul's daughter, Mareb, whom she had borne to Adriel, son of Barzillai, the Mahalothite. He handed them over to the Gibeonites, who killed them and exposed their bodies on a hill before the Lord. All seven of them fell together. They were put to death during the first days of the harvest, just as the barley harvest was beginning. Rizpah, daughter of Ahai, took sackcloth, spread it out for herself on a rock. From the beginning of the harvest till the rain poured down from the heavens on the body, she did not let the birds touch them by day or the wild animals by night. When David was told what Ai's daughter, Rizpah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went and took the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from the citizens of Jabesh Gilead. They had stolen their bodies from the public square at Beth Shan, where the Philistines had hung them after they struck Saul down on Gilboa. David brought the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from there, and the bones of those who had been killed and exposed were gathered up. They buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the tomb of Saul's father Kish at Zelah and Benjamin and did everything the king commanded. After that, God answered prayer in behalf of the land. Once again, there was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines and he became exhausted. And Ishbi Benob, one of the descendants of Rapha, whose bronze spearhead weighed 300 shekels and who was armed with a new sword, said he would kill David. But Abishai, son of Zeruiah, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistine down and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, saying, Never again will you go out with us to battle, so that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. In the course of time, there was another battle with the Philistines at Gob. At that time, Sebekai the Hushathite killed Saph, one of the descendants of Rapha. In another battle with the Philistines at Gob, 
Elhanan, son of Jair, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, who had speared with a shaft like a weaver's rod. In still another battle, which took place at Gath, there was a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in all. He also was descendant from Rapha. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of Shammai, David's brother, killed him. These four were descendants of Rapha and Gath, and they fell at the hands of David and his men. David sang to the Lord the words of his song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my savior. From violent people you save me. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled about me. The turrets of destruction overwhelm me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundation of heaven shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him. The dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrow and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord. At the blast of breath from his nostrils, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. You, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield. You help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. I pursued my enemies and crushed them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them completely and they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. 
You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I pounded and trampled them like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of the peoples. You have preserved me as the head of nations. People I did not know now serve me. Foreigners cower before me. As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock, exalted by my God, the rock, my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who puts the nations under me, who sets me free from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From a violent man, you rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. These are the last words of David. The inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse, the utterance of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, When one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise, on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. If my house were not right with God, surely he would not have made with me an everlasting covenant, arranged and secured in every part. Surely he would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire. But evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns, which are not gathered with the hand. Whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron or the shaft of a spear. They are burned up where they lie. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Josheb. Beshabeth, a Tekanamite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men who, whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dadai, the Ahoahite, as one of the three mighty warriors. He was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pa. Damim for battles. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Herorite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. During harvest time, three of the thirty chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Raphim. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. It is not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives, and David would not drink it.
Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. Abishai, the brother of Joab, son of Zeruiah, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed, and so he became as famous as the three. Was he not held in greater honor than the three? He became their commander, even though he was not included among them. Benai, son of Jehoadah, a valiant fighter from Kabazil, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benai went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benai, son of Jehoiada. He too was as famous as the three mighty warriors. He was held in greater honor than any of the thirty, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Among the thirty were Asahel, the brother of Joab, Alhanan, son of Doda from Bethlehem, Shema the Herodite, Alika the Herodite, Helez the Peltite, Ira, son of Ikesh from Tekoa, Abizer from Anoathath, Sibakai the Hushathite, Zalman the Ahoahite, Maharai the Netophilite, Haled son of Banah the Netophilite, Ithah son of Ribah from Gibeah in Benjamin, Benai the Perathonite, Hedai from the ravines of Gash, Abi Alban the Arbathite, Asmaveth the Barhumite, Elihaba the Shalabanite, the son of Jashen, Jonathan son of Shammah the Herorite, Ahayam son of Sharar the Herorite, Elphalet son of Ahasbai the Makarathite, Eliam son of Ahithophel the Gilanite, Hezro the Carmelite, Perai the Arbite, Agal son of Nathan from Zobah the son of Hagri, Zelek the Ammonite, Nahari, the Beriathite, the armor-bearer of Joab, son of Zerai, Ira, the Erthrite, Gerab, the Erthrite, and Uriah, the Hittite, there was thirty-seven in all. Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go and take a census of Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab and the army commanders with him, Go through the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and enroll the fighting men, so that I may know how many there are. But Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times over, and may the eyes of my lord the king see it. But why does my lord the king want to do such a thing? The king's word, however, overruled Joab and the army commanders, So they left the presence of the king to enroll the fighting men of Israel. After crossing the Jordan, they camped near Aror, south of the town in the gorge, and then went through Gad and on to Jazir. They went to Gilead in the region of Tatim Hadushi and on the Danjan and around toward Sidon. Then they went toward the fortress of Tyre and all the towns of the Hivites and Canaanites. Finally, they went on to Beersheba and the Negev of Judah. After they had gone through the entire land, they came back to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. Joab reported the number of fighting men to the king. In Israel, there were 800,000 able-bodied men who could handle a sword, and in Judah, 500,000. David was conscience-stricken after he had counted the fighting men, and he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. Before David got up the next morning, the word of the Lord had come to Gad, the prophet, David's seer. Go and tell David, this is what the Lord says. I am giving you three options. Choose one of them for me to carry out against you. So Gad went to David and said to him, Shall there come on you three years of famine in your land, or three months of fleeing from your enemies while they pursue you, or three days of plagues in your land? Now then, 
Think it over and decide how I should answer the one who sent me. David said to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great, but do not let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel from that morning until the end of the time designated, and 70,000 of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. When the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented concerning the disaster and said to the angel who was afflicting the people, Enough, withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then at the threshing floor of Aranah the Jebusite. When David saw the angel who was striking, Breaking down the people, he said to the Lord, I have sinned. I, the shepherd, have done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and my family. On that day, Gad went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arnah, the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. When Arnah looked and saw the king and his officials coming toward him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Arnah said, Why has the Lord, the king, come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Arana said to David, let my lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty Arana gives all this to the king. Arana also said to him, may the lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Arana, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered his prayer in behalf of the land and the plague of Israel was stopped. Psalm 30, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lift me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I call to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from the going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made me royal mountains stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Psalm 38. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your arrows have pierced me and your hands had come down on me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who want to kill me set their traps. Those who would harm me talk of my ruin. All day long they scheme and lie. 
I am like the deaf who cannot hear, like the mute who cannot speak. I have become like one who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. Lord, I wait for you. You will answer, Lord my God, for I said, do not let them gloat or exalt themselves over me when my feet slip. For I am about to fall and my pain is ever with me. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. Many have become my enemies without cause. Those who hate me without reason are numerous. Those who repay my good with evil lodge accusations against me, though I seek only to do what is good. Lord, do not forsake me. Do not be far from me, God. Come quickly to help me, my Lord, my Savior. Well, there was the last four chapters of 2 Samuel. And Dr. Mackey explains how this story is out of the chronological order that we read today. And it seems to be summarizing, like an epilogue, an important part of the message of the story. So it's really cool. In chapter 21, we are reminded of the failure of Saul who harmed the Gibeonites and then a contrast between David and his mighty men versus the Philistines, and then a story about a weakness in David or like vulnerability, dependence, his need for help in the middle, chapter 22, and the first part of chapter 23 we read, David's poem that remembers God's grace and covenantal promise as well as the hope for a future king. Then we read another story about David and his mighty men versus the Philistines and another story about David's weakness. Then we read the failure of David who harms Israel. These ending poems point back to the poem or song of Hannah in the beginning of this book. Dr. Mackey reminds me how Hannah's song reminds us that God is at work despite human evil, that God opposes the proud even if they are his people, and he exalts the humble. Dr. Mackey reminds us that this book looks far beyond David to a future messianic king who God will raise up and that this king will bring the kingdom and the blessing to all nations. So David is vulnerable. He's dependent and pointing to a future messianic king. David is like an image of the future messianic king, but isn't. So he's not like God or a pure role model because he's human. And it, while not consistent or perfect, I do think David offered some detail on ways to represent the Lord well. This might be a good time to reflect on some of those. What were some of your favorite parts in First and Second Samuel learning about representative leadership from David? One of my favorites was Joab saying in chapter 10, verse 12 to David and I believe it was the entire military at the time. May the Lord do what is good in his sight. I just have to say that again. May the Lord do what is good in his sight. This to me is in sharp contrast to Judges 17.6 and 21.25, which stated, there was no king in Israel at that time and everyone did whatever they wanted. I'm convicted to reflect on this statement in my prayers. May the Lord do what is good in his sight. I think about the fact that the work is there. But the outcome is God's. He's not like a genie. You don't like control the outcome or pray for necessarily specific outcomes. You can, but there's something cool in this story reminding me. Because remember also when Nathan told David that his son was going to die because of the choices he had made. And while David heard it, he still prayed for grace and knew God could give it. When the consequences still happened, David did not reject God. He believed in God's endless grace, but also in God's sovereignty over it all, like that everything he had and was, life itself, was a gift. It was this incredible posture of humility. 
I also love the frequency with which David went to God for advice over what action or reaction he should take. Sometimes God would say, go or do. Sometimes God would say, stay or don't do. And sometimes God would say, do this in this way, something very specific. So it was like sometimes it was very prescribed. Sometimes it was no action. And sometimes it was go. And he left the how to do it up to David and the creativity of the the team and the people. But they were always, there was this link to trying to represent God well, following his laws, this heart of Shema, whole heart leading, following. Oh, it was so cool. So a lot to reflect on, but that is the end of 2 Samuel. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.